Today, I'm going to be talking about AI and the technological singularity. My name is Jared Coleman, and welcome to State of the Pod. Today, I'm joined by Professor Haim Hirsch, who teaches the Foundations of Artificial Intelligence course here at Cornell. What is a singularity? There's a range of different forms of singularity that people conjecture about. The general idea is that eventually computers will become so powerful that they will be able to learn and be smarter than us and grow exponentially faster than us and leave us in the dirt behind them. This is usually conjectured to begin when a so-called seed AI is created an AI that has the ability to upgrade itself by reprogramming itself. As computers become more and more powerful, and as we centralize more and more um, of the powers that typically rest in humans into our machines, all it takes is a badly programmed computer that controls many things to do terrible things, whether by uh, intent the way nightmare scenarios like the Terminator might be described versus uh, badly written programs. And so that singularity is one where the technology isn't necessarily intelligent, but becomes self-fulfilling and they just go their own way in ways that could be detrimental to us. So the third singularity, though, is the more positive one where technology amplifies us and makes us more powerful. And um, that's the one that I'm hopeful for, where just like right now I'm wearing glasses, which are allowing me to see better than I ever could, um, without them, uh, technology has the potential to allow us to do things way beyond our current capacities. And if the technological singularity is something that amplifies us rather than is separate from us, uh, we could be creating something that isn't fully human, isn't fully machine, but it's a combination of the two of us. In a 2012 study by Vincent Mueller and Nick Bostrom, four groups of experts with a total of 550 participants were polled, and the median opinion of the groups suggested that there was a 50% chance of a high-level machine general intelligence developing by 2040, rising to a 90% chance by 2075. This machine intelligence is estimated to grow to a superintelligence within 30 years of its birth. There's also the distinction between AI as this tantalizing um, quest for machines that are as broadly capable as humans are versus the results of current AI that are essentially sophisticated automation like facial recognition technology. No one's claiming that it's doing it the way humans do, but yet it's something that's a product of the AI research world. And so the products of the AI research world um, are here today, whether it's um, self-driving cars, if they should actually become widely available. Um, they're not putting in the brains of a human into the car. It's doing a lot of pattern recognition. And so having people making regulations that are about today's automation rather than needless fears about things they saw in movies um, of computers becoming super intelligent. Uh, we're not near that, but we are near disruptive forces in our economy. If self-driving cars are very 
effective. Um, the country has uh, somewhere on the order of two million truck drivers. Um, what happens if suddenly two million people are unemployed in this country? Those are real questions that we need to think about. Recently, several high-profile figures such as Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking have spoken out about the impending threat of AI, and both have signed a public letter along with many others that can be found on the Future of Life Institute's website. First, those wouldn't be the two people that I would turn to as authorities on the topic. Um, another of the figures behind that, that movement is Stuart Russell, who's a computer science professor at UC Berkeley, who has much more credibility. He's co-author of the textbook and the AI course that we teach here at Cornell. And there are many people who believe there's a need to be thoughtful about this. Um, I think Stephen Hawking, coming from physics, has demonstrated that his mastery of computer science may not be quite the same as that as a computer science professor who's worked for 30 years in artificial intelligence. And Elon Musk seems to like saying things um, as much for the controversy as much as for whether they actually happen to be true or not. So those two figures on it are not the important thing. I think what that document does say is that the creations that we're building computer technologies have the potential to do very uh, harmful things. So you could imagine computer vision technology becoming powerful enough to have weapons that control themselves about where they're targeting. And so it's appropriate to be saying uh, what kind of thoughtfulness can a government institution provide to uh, make sure both that their own interests in defense and potentially even uh, more aggressive stances are done thoughtfully. Clearly, some form of regulation will be needed, but who should decide the limits of AI technology? Should this be something that is decided on a global scale as with nuclear technology, something individual governments regulate? Or should companies themselves be trusted to ensure best practices are kept? Just like they regulate issues like pollution and so on, is there a role for the government in regulating, for example, the use of facial recognition technology? And what's interesting is that the companies are starting to say that they want government regulations in this area. So the president of Microsoft released a letter oh, maybe a year ago where they actually said that face recognition technology has a lot of potential negative uses as well as positive, and they didn't want to be the ones deciding it. And I think what's happening is companies are beginning to realize that they're going to be liable if they do something that people don't like, and rather than them having to blunder around trying to figure out what's acceptable and what's not, they're going to get the government to say what's legal and what's not, and then they're going to operate within those constraints. So first off, the, the companies are competitors with one another. And so it's not 100% clear that they're going to work well together in a professional society um, to try to govern those things. And I think they want something stronger. They want to be able to say what we're doing is legal as opposed to we have a self-regulating body that's doing it because then if something naughty happens, they can still be criticized by people that the government hasn't stepped in. Government taking initiative may hold companies to a higher standard, but even then, new issues arise. If we do want to have the government play a role in regulating AI, that requires a certain level of sophistication of knowledge. And right now, how much of the 
current government administration um, has people that could weigh in thoughtfully about where AI is and isn't, especially when the people who are most expert in it can be getting well-paid jobs in industry. So um, it might be good for government to play a role in this, but how to do it so that it's being done with an appreciation of what the technology is, is I, th I think still an open question. Many times when um, the government weighs in on things that they don't have um, in-house expertise, they'll assemble a body of experts. So the, the current um, administration has operated differently than ones in the past, but there's generally been a President's Council PCAST, um, President's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology. And they're given different issues to be weighing in on. And so these are often both academic leaders and industry leaders. So Eric Schmidt, when he was head of Google, was on this committee. But so were academics, including computer scientists. So um, there's certainly best practices that the U.S. government has taken to ensure that when there's technological questions at play, they bring in um, the hopefully right cast of people. So I'm hopeful that that's the way it would work. Sometimes, not sometimes, always people in government have their own particular way of looking at things and their own agendas, and they can assemble groups to favor one particular point of view or another. And the difficulty in doing this, by the way, is not just for the U.S. government. If you've been following the news, Google put together an AI ethics committee and it lasted a week before they had to kill it off because two of the people that were appointed had controversial positions and one of the academics who was on it actually resigned less than a week after it saying that his efforts were better placed elsewhere. So getting the right people to be weighing in, it, it's a... Assuming the right group of people can be gathered to discuss the issue, what kinds of solutions might they come up with? The goal is to make sure no disaster-level singularity ever occurs, but how can we prevent this from happening without limiting our growth? We could outlaw CAIs. Would this be cutting ourselves off from potential innovation? We could impose restrictions, but what would those restrictions look like? So one question that we haven't really f seen a clean answer to is um, the question of accountability. So let's say a autonomous vehicle strikes someone. Who is, who's at fault? Um, so just as an example, you could imagine someone arguing, and Elon Musk has kind of done this kind of an argument, that let's say we convert the entire United States into autonomous vehicles. There are no drivers anymore, except for the cars, and death rate due to car accidents go way down but every once in a while an autonomous vehicle runs someone down. When someone got hit by an autonomous vehicle a year ago or so and was killed, he, was, he made a statement along the lines of, think about how many people were, how many lives we're saving by doing autonomous vehicles. A few years ago when um, VW had the emissions uh, thing where the software in the car was recognizing whether um, you were going through an emissions test or not and changing the uh, details of how the car was operating so it could pass the test, someone wrote that program. And what, what can we do to have people who are writing such programs say, wait a minute, this is 
breaking the law and I don't want to be writing software like that. So we're that's another direction to all this. Um, I think we have a lot to do to be thoughtful that it's not just about how do you write a program, but how is it embedded in the world around us. We're still trying to figure out how do we imbue the courses that we teach um, with a sense of what's right and what's wrong so that the practitioners who go out are actually behaving in ways that won't easily create technologies that we should be scared of. While the threat of an AI singularity may seem inevitable and scary, how much should we be worrying about such a threat? In order for an intelligence explosion to occur, three things must happen. We must have an increase in speed of computation, continually improving algorithms must be developed, and each advancement made must on average make a new advancement possible. Many experts believe that these factors have an inherent physical limit, and that will prevent any AI from spiraling completely out of control, making it silly to think about such an outcome. So I think the greatest threats from AI are not the singularity, but rather the automation technologies that are um, disrupting basic elements of our world. Um, Things that we used to think only humans can do now, we can get machines to do. Um, But I think because we've gotten so much broadly based successes across different areas of AI, it's finally getting to the point that people can start thinking about a future where the singularity may start appearing and better for us to have thought about it now than when it's very close. So I think many of us in AI think this is a good time to start asking the questions like how do we embed the values and ethics that we want to see in people into our technology so that by definition they're doing things the way we value. So it's reasonable to be thinking about it now, but is that the thing that should be keeping people up at night? No. Um, having hordes of unemployed people, that's a more realistic question. And the statistic I heard, people often analogize with the Industrial Revolution where um, the entire fabric of society got changed with the Industrial Revolution and lost jobs were made up for by new jobs due to um, the new technologies. And the statistic I heard is it took 60 years for that transformation. And so for 60 years, there were economic difficulties. And so if we don't plan for this now, are we going to face another period of decades where there's unemployed and So right now um, is the right time to be worrying about that. Modern media has given rise to wild, fantastical ideas of what AI is and what it may become. While these ideas may give rise to innovation, wonder, and even fear, technology is constantly evolving. And our understanding of what is and isn't possible is changing along with it. In a few years, we may realize that the kind of singularity we envision today is impossible, only to find a new technology that makes it once again possible in a few years after that. The main thing is if people are are concerned about AI, they need to make sure they're concerned about it for the right reason. And there's a lot of media attention on AI. Some of it is wildly optimistic, telling these great stories about um, how computers are going to diagnose all our illnesses and so on, and they're usually overstated. And similarly, some of the dark pictures of where AI is are also grossly overstated. And um, before anyone takes a strong stance on what to be scared of, I think it's important to actually understand where we are today. And where we are today is a disruptive point of automation.